Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. To get a few more glimpses of what's going on here at Christ Church, we encourage you to check us out on Facebook, as well as Twitter and Instagram, where you can find us under the handle CCGF01. This week's message is provided by our minister at large, the Reverend Dr. John Guest. He will be preaching out of the book of Ephesians on pursuing our passions and following the talents and gifts that God has given us to use. Here is Pastor John with his message. Thank you for listening. You see on the front of your service sheet, uh, this little guy on a skateboard. Do you see a rocket? It's not just wings. He's got a rocket on his tail. Can you imagine he's in the ro- he needs to be on a runway? Maybe that's what that is. What we're talking about is God putting a rocket on your tail because he's got a wonderful plan for your life. Isn't it good to know that? He loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And we've just come off of Easter, and I'll come back to that, but that Easter, that weekend, Friday through Sunday, is the weekend that changed the world forever. It's not a little marker along a timeline. It's powerful. It's like a nuclear spiritual explosion that still reverberates and rolls on. So that you and I have been singing to Jesus who's alive here. He walked out of the grave alive. This is really the background against which we're taking a look at what we're talking about here. Your passion, your ministry, your mission. And when your ministry becomes your passion, I've used the word passion, but Pastor Jared has asked me, he's in Israel right now, in fact, about now, if you put it on seven hours, so that's like seven o'clock in the evening, they're probably on their way into Jerusalem, having been to Masada, having driven up alongside the Dead Sea. Amazing. He... Our pastor has asked me to speak to you all about your ministry. Because that's the part of the plan. It's not just to get you from hell to heaven. That's a big part of the plan. But between coming to know Jesus and arriving in heaven, God's got a plan for your life. And to discover that, That's the mission class that was advertised here. Discover your gift. What is it that God has given you? It may be two or three things. You may be multi-gifted, talented, and they're gifts from God, but he gives you a gift when you get to know him. And he wants you to use it as part of the team. The analogy in the scriptures that was read, part of a body you remember about the ligaments and the muscle and their intention and how it all builds up the body. We are that body. And God has placed us in such a way in the body with talent and ability 
that we need to be using as part of the family. Let me tell you a story. It's real, actually. You can go online. I don't know that the name is real because I've forgotten the name, so I gave the guy the name Phil Johnson, who used to be the drummer in my band, incidentally. And he was brilliant as a drummer. We're going back 40 to 50 years. He would have loved this band. He would have loved to have been in this band. Anyway, Phil Johnson, sitting in his backyard in Los Angeles. He's in his middle years. He's gotten pudgy. He's not the young man who dreamed of being a pilot. Because that had been his dream as a kid. And he applied to the flight academy, the Air Force Academy, in Colorado and was turned down because of issues about his health. He never was able to become a pilot. And he's sitting out on his back lawn on a lawn chair, drinking a beer, watching these flights come in on their flight path to LAX. That's the signal for Los Angeles Airport. It's called LAX. And he's, his heart's aching still after all these years that he never got to fly a plane. And then he gets an idea. He goes out and purchases something like about 10... This is a real deal. It gets more and more extraordinary. 10 of those weather balloons, ordered them online, got these weather balloons, filled them with helium, and fastened them to his lawn chair which he had tied down on the bed of his truck. So he got his truck, his lawn chair, tied down, and now something like about 10 of those weather balloons, which they let up into the stratosphere to check out on what's going on up there, and it gets communicated back, and it helps forecast the weather and all that stuff. And they're packed tight with helium. And what do you think he's going to do? Well, he's worked out how he's going to get up. Because he's going to get in that lawn chair, sever the cords that bind it down to the, tr- the, the, the bed, and he's going to go up in his lawn chair. And he's going to take with him an air rifle and shoot out when he wants to come down. Shoot out one balloon after another until it starts, you know, the, the equilibrium. He comes down. That's his plan. He's not just going to sit in his backyard and drink beer and watch planes fly anymore. He's going up. And that's what he does. Except, so you see him in his lawn chair with his rifle. And these weather balloons all hanging fastened to his chair. When he severs that road, like the kid with a rocket on his tail, he shoots up to about 13,000 feet. Now the planes are coming in at eye level on their flight path. (laughs) And the pilot caught, this is real, don't you shake your head at me, this is really happened. The pilot wires back, radios back to the airport and said, you'll never believe this, I just passed a guy sitting in a lawn chair with a rifle. (laughs) They shut down the airport, because this guy, this jerk's up there in the flight path. 
That's all big news. They send a helicopter to get him. He is petrified. I mean, he's up there like in a lawn chair at 13,000 feet. He's not going to let go of anything. He's got his rifle, but he's not going to take it and shoot anything out. He's like frozen. And they hook his chair from the helicopter and tow him back in, balloons and all. And of course, when he gets to the airport, news is out, and they're putting a microphone under his nose. What on earth possessed you to do this? And he said, I couldn't sit there any longer. I had to do something about what was going on inside me. And he tells tells the story, which I've told you. Therein lies an illustration. There you sit. And I tell you, God has a wonderful plan for your life. But you've got to participate in the delivery of that plan. And we participate with each other. That's what we're going to learn. It's about us being a family together, a team together, a body connected, and putting wind in each other's sails, cheering each other on. And even when it says that we admonish, we speak the truth, do you know the next little word? In love. Because we do need to be corrected, redirected, coached, challenged. Who's going to do that? We're there for each other so that we can experience together God's plan and God's best for us. That's the deal. And I'll tell you a little later on how we got there because Pastor Jared didn't sort of think, let me see, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, God's power, what are we doing with it? That wasn't his thought pattern. But I'll tell you how he got there later. Look at uh, the scripture right there in your service sheet. It's on page two. Because I want you to circle it or mark it if you can. If you can't, remember it. Go home and do the circling. I mean, regurgitate my teaching in responding to this reading from Ephesians chapter four. So verse 11. It was he, that is Jesus, by the way. He, Jesus. It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, that's like Paul, Mark, Luke, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Jesus gave us leaders, anointed leaders. Because what's represented in that statement, by and large, is leadership. So whether it's Pastor Jared, Pastor Jamie, Pastor Rob, I don't know, we've got to get Brad somehow pasteurized. (laughs) You work on that, okay, Rob? You know what I mean. God puts leadership in place for what purpose? Read the very next verse. Hi there, how you doing? <laughs> to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. 
to prepare God's people, that's yuns, yuns, for works of service. That word service is actually better translated. This translation makes it, I think, they try to make it more accessible to you. The word is really ministry. It's the same word as ministry. And we actually have, in our membership class, when you go through the membership class, this statement. It fills large letters in the middle of a single page. And this is what it says concerning our membership. Every member, a minister. Every task, important. And everyone, a 10 in some area. Being a 10 means excellent. Not just gorgeous. Excellent. Everyone a member. And every member a minister. Every task important. And in some area, every one of us is a 10. So that's what we're about. To prepare God's people for works of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up. I'm going to ask you to circle certain phrases or mark them. If you've got a pen or pencil, have at it right now. In verse 11, what I already drew your attention to, it was he, Jesus, who gave. So put, he who gave. And actually, it's not in your service sheet, but make a note or cast it to memory. Verse 7 says this of Jesus, but to each one of you, or each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in in his train and gave gifts to men. So verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, etc. To prepare God's people for, circle prepare God's people. To prepare us for ministry. So, to be, that we may be, the end of the sentence, built up. Mark it, circle it. Until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son and become mature, circle mature, to be mature. And it actually goes on to say, attaining to the measure of the fullness of Christ. As we mature, we become more like Jesus. That's the definition of maturing as a Christian, becoming more Christ-like, growing up into him, becoming more like him. There's a little chorus I learned when I volunteered as about a 19-year-old boy, man, in London to be a Sunday school teacher to these brat kids, all little boys. And we learned that there's a sort of a common worship area at the beginning, and they sang this song. Let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me, all his wondrous compassion and purity. O thou spirit divine, all my nature refine, till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. I still sing that to myself. I'm not done maturing. You ask my wife. I want to be a better husband and we're being married 50 years this year. 
I'm still on the treadmill trying to be a better husband, working at it. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better friend. I haven't quit. I haven't gone into hibernation. I haven't, I trust, leveled off. I've got so far yet to go. I'm still maturing, that is, becoming more and more. I trust, oh please, Lord, like Jesus. That's my heart's desire, to let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. And then it goes on to say this. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be what? Infants. Who wants to be forever a child? When a child gets stuck in infancy, something's wrong. And you know it and you see it. I would estimate that some of you probably regard yourselves as spiritual infants infants running around in adult bodies right now. But God's desire is not for you to remain an infant. To be no longer infants, tossed about, etc. So verse 15 goes on to say, instead, speaking speaking the truth in love, we will in all things, next phrase, grow up. Do any of you wives ever say to your husbands who are acting really ridiculous, grow up? You kids, do your parents ever say to you, grow up? My mother used to say it to me, grow up, will you? So easy to fall back into infancy, emotionally, The definition of infancy, by the way, is somebody who's got the center of their own universe. You know that? Kids, infants, it's all about them. You can't reason with a child that she needs to wait another half an hour to to have lunch. She screams. We've raised four daughters. They scream (laughs) when they're hungry. They want attention. Our number two child would vomit fire it out it bleached the wallpaper the print wallpaper took all the color out of it she wanted attention she could scream and that's infancy you've got a lot of grown ups who behave like that from time to time grow up so what does it say Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head. There it is again, into Jesus, that is Christ. So it goes on to conclude, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows, circle it, and builds itself up in love. As each part, circle that last piece, as each part does its work. Now this is a process. God gives you the gift of eternal life. You can't process your way into that. It's a gift. You may process your way into receiving the gift. I mean, I went through about a two to three year process. But when he gave you the gift, you had the gift of eternal life. That is the power of Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday come into your soul and you're made a new creation. And it's all what God does. So you invite him in. 
I got an email from a young lady in this, who's been coming to this church with a boyfriend. I think I know her boyfriend from when he was a kid here. I'll find that out. I think I found it out, but I, I, I want to see him, and I haven't met him yet. But she sent me the email saying, I've been listening to what you all say, been coming with my boyfriend, and whatever it is you're all talking about, I know there's a bridge I've got to go over to get there. Can I come and talk to you about it? What do you think I said? Come on. So I emailed her back, and we got in the calendar, and two days ago, she shared her life, what it's been, And by the time she walked out of there, she had received Jesus into her life, was made a new creature in Christ, and I said to her, you are now my sister. We're in the same family. So when you get those three scriptures, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, he loves you. Jesus saying, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He's got a plan for you. That's his plan. So you read the Apostle Paul who sums it up. We are God's workmanship in Christ Jesus. God's workmanship in Christ Jesus. Created in Christ Jesus. Listen to this next phrase. For good works he prepared beforehand. Before we ever came to him, he had a plan in mind for us that we should walk in those good works, the things he's prepared for us, the life to live. So I'm not here in Pittsburgh by accident. I didn't meet my wife by accident. I mean, it looks like it. And I had to participate in the the goings-on that got us to where we were, as did she. But I thank God every day that he saved Kathy for me. For me. Because I got, as a gift from him, a jewel and a prize. I can't believe I have the fortune to be married to Kathleen. It's a gift. So we got our four daughters. I keep saying to Kathy, I'd like to start again. You could, we could pull that off, you know. That medicine can get that done. She said, we've got grandchildren now. (laughs) In other words, they'll do. (laughs) Don't want to do that all over again. You can't blame her. She's 73 years old. (laughs) I'm 80. Still growing. Still going. Still desiring God's best. I want you to follow along right now with a testimony that is a guy's story. He goes to this church. His name is Kevin Garborough. His wife is Joeen. And I tell you, this is the little piece of the story I want to tell you how we got to Jared, Pastor Jared, wanting to us to promote getting you out of your seat, putting a rocket under you, and getting you connected to whatever you should be doing as part of the family of this church. So you watch this. Kevin went down with a group of our missionaries, so, so to speak, our people, to the Dominican Republic. And this is what happened. I was raised by my parents 
and they truly hated each other and fought constantly. Friends weren't over ever. My brother, um, because of the conflict, uh, ended up running away three times, and uh, he would hitchhike. Well, he ended up picking up hitchhikers and uh, was murdered by them. My mom used to look at me and tell me that I was a mistake. That causes a lot of uh, damage. Fortunately, uh, I best friend moved down the road. His dad was a pastor. They invited me to church. Even though I was a very difficult child, smoking at 13, drinking heavily at 15, uh, he kept on bringing me. And he showed me how God had a plan for me, that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. And I came to know Christ, but that didn't eliminate the damage. I, I couldn't say I love you. I couldn't hug. My brother who lives next door. To me, we haven't talked for 15 years. I, I didn't even like people. But I'd come to know Christ and I read a book by David Platt called Radical. It talked about the Great Commission and I felt I was following the Great Commission. I was doing it in my Jerusalem, but I was not doing it to the ends of the earth. So I decided to go on a missions trip. My wife, before I left, asked me to tell her I loved her. I told her I show it every day, but I couldn't say it. With the people on the missions trip, I told them I'm not a touchy-feely person and I'm not emotional. We... Um, got there on the first day and the kids just poured out and hugged and loved and I started to break went to church on that Sunday it was a small church but they were just screaming and worshiping God with such love um, it was just amazing the next Monday or that Monday uh, is when I broke and I met my sponsored child. She lives in a 10 by 10 tin shack. Cutest little five-year-old girl uh, who just hugged me. I gave her a little doll and a Bible and uh, she gave me a kiss on the cheek. But I was just in tears. I'd never seen anyone <laughs> with so little and yet so much love. Uh, the interpreters asked her if she knew who Jesus was. And um, she pointed at me. It was the first time I felt like I was not hiding my light under the bushel, that I was being a Christ-like example. I not only cried, I sobbed. And uh, by that evening, I called my wife and I told her that I loved her. And that started a transformation. And I could tell you a hundred stories of what happened on this trip. Whether Mindy um, taking a child who was being picked on and who was a little slow under her wing. Whether Bethany, who held a 
15-year-old boy with cerebral palsy and weighed 65 pounds, where I picked up a five-year-old boy and held him and found out his mother had run away and his, his, his dad was dead and the community just loved him. But mostly I just remember the smiles, the smiles of all of the kids just loving you. And I was forever changed. I couldn't give a hug before. And Ray, who is a hugger from this church, uh, I can now hug. My brother of 15 years, who I hadn't talked to, I ended up over his house for Thanksgiving. He's been over my house for Christmas. And the person who said he doesn't like people now has started having a game night over the house. God had other plans for me than just sitting back. And thankfully he did because he changed my life. God wants to do that for you. You realize that this all happened because he went with a group of folks from the church down to the Dominican Republic. He got connected. And this is the story, because this is why we're now doing this. He shared that account differently than, I mean, a different time, different place, at the men's breakfast. We've advertised a men's breakfast. You guys need to get out to that. It's a good breakfast. It's real meat, real eggs, and real pancakes and French toast and syrup, hot coffee. It's good. Get that. But the good deal is you get connected with other guys. You get to know some other folks at the table. That's what it's for. It's not just to fatten up the men some more. So they spend time together. Well, Kevin gave that account. One of the guys there, I'll name him, John Poister, who runs, for the 10 o'clock service anyway, all the lay readers and the people who serve communion and so on. He's been helpful. for, And his wife runs the cafe. They're involved. They're connected. He wept. In telling me what Kevin just told you, because I wasn't there at that breakfast, he wept, he sobbed. John Poister did. He and Frank Melnick, one of our parish council, got talking to each other, and in the end, they go and speak to Pastor Jared and say to him, and this was how it got started with that breakfast and this testimony, more people in our church need to get involved in such a way that they become real, that what happened to Kevin can happen to them. And whatever your deal is, it's, that's how it happens. And it's not that you are like encrusted or in some way turned to stone, but we need you and you need us for us to become all that God wants us to be. So turning up in church is good. Because you can get started here. But Jesus didn't die on the cross that we can have worship services. And his plan is not just that we assemble once a week and sing some songs to him. 
He's got a whole life for us to live. People to touch. Who can touch us. That's not going to happen just by yourself. You need him and us together. So you consider that. Get to that missionary class. Get into a small group. Go to the breakfast or Bible studies. Take the opportunity. Get involved. That's what Pastor Jared wanted me to tell you. Let's pray. So, Lord Jesus, it's great to know that we are not accidents and we're not here by accident. And you haven't taken possession of us by accident. That you really do have a plan for our lives and for the one or two here who've yet to get to know you. Keep tracking them down, Lord. Do not let them get away. Follow them. Win them. Transform them. Make them a part of your family here or somewhere. They know who they are. And they're longing for what you have to give them. Reach out to them and include them, Lord. But for those of us who say we know you and belong to you and we are part of this church family, our prayer is, Lord, that you would get us vibrantly, powerfully connected and committed. And we pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.